Our first reading comes from Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, when Herod was king, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. He gathered together all the people's chief priests and experts in the law. He asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, because this was written through the prophet, You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are certainly not least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and found out from them exactly when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report to me, so that I may also go and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stood still over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with overwhelming joy. After they went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Since they had been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. The name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have you noticed it lately? When the sun goes down, it's a little darker in our neighborhoods. Not that the darkness hasn't been there, but from Thanksgiving until New Year's Day, our, our streets, our neighborhoods, our communities were awash with light, Christmas lights all over the place. But now, we've returned to darkness. Now, some of the longest holdouts, those who may be held out and had their lights on and out until Friday, the epiphany of our Lord, the January 6th, well, they're taking their outside lights down now, too. The world returns to darkness with days still rather short and nights quite long. As our neighborhoods return to darkness, it reminds us of a thick darkness that is all too familiar. This darkness has covered every nation and people since our first parents chose the darkness of disobedience over the light of the true God. Yet the Lord did not abandon his beautiful creation of sin's darkness. No, he prepared the coming of a light that would shatter the darkness that covered our world. Now, during Advent, we prepared for the coming of that light. And in the recent weeks, we rejoiced at, that, at the dawning of that light. And this weekend, we celebrate the fact that that light is for all nations, including us. That's what the Magi sought when they made their way to ancient Israel. They sought the one he who has been born king of the Jews. But everyone else around them was caught in the darkness of unbelief or self-righteousness or paranoia and hatred. None of them sought the light. Yet the Lord enabled the Magi to find the light. Like every one of us, they had been born in the darkness of sin and death and somehow, some way, they had come into contact with the gospel, with the good news of the Old Testament, the good news of a king, of God's Messiah, of the light of the nations who was to come and who was going to come through Israel. Through that word, God shattered the darkness in their hearts. 
Now that light, it drew the Magi across great dangerous distance to worship their Savior King. And Jesus brought joy to their journey as they neared Bethlehem. We're told, then the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them and stood still over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with overwhelming joy. In that one little sentence, by the way, Matthew packs as many words for joy as he possibly can. They're really, really happy to find Jesus. After they went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Jesus drew those wise men to his light through faith he had created in their hearts. And they responded with overwhelming joy. They responded with gifts fit only for a king. They worshipped him as both king of kings and light of the nations. Do we seek him still? In the deep darkness that clouds our eyes and distracts our minds, do we look for the light that Christ brings into our world and into our lives? We need Jesus to draw us to his light as he did for those wise men. We praise God that Jesus came to shine in the hearts of all people, including our hearts. Through Jesus Christ, God declared each of us not guilty. Through the waters of baptism and the good news of your Savior proclaimed into your heart, the Holy Spirit worked faith there so that now His light fills your darkness and pours out from you to the people around you. Praise God that even as the last of the Christmas lights get packed away, the light of the nations will burn brightly within our hearts and from us to the people of our homes, our our communities, and our world. Second reading is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning with the 13th verse. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, because Herod will search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. He stayed there until the death of Herod. This happened to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, he was furious. He issued orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and in all the surrounding countryside from two years old and under. This was in keeping with the exact time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they are no more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. How dark is the darkness of our world? Now we would all admit that the world in which we live is a dark place. A place where evil lurks in the hearts of people and expresses itself in the shadows under the cover of darkness. And in so many ways, we do all we can to ignore or avoid the depths of that darkness because that darkness terrifies us. It ensnares us. It breaks our hearts. It brings tears to our eyes. It may even rob us of sleep with nightmares. Yet how dark was the darkness of the world into which God sent his holy light, Christ Jesus, our Savior. How little we realize that tucked away in the shadows amidst all the warm, peaceful, joyful images of Christmas is an account that no one wants to talk about. An account of the true darkness of sin in our world, an account with a madman king 
state-decreed infanticide and a fleeing holy family. The only songs we sing of such unspeakable horror are funeral songs of lament and sadness. Yet for centuries, the Christian church has remembered the sad story from the er Savior's early years with a remembrance of what has been called the slaughter of the holy innocents. Innocent not because they were without sin, for they inherited sinfulness from their parents, but rather the fact that none of them had committed any crime worthy of death at the hands of a king and had lost their lives because that paranoid and bloodthirsty king wanted to extinguish the light sent for the nations, for them that light of our Savior King. As with the martyrs who would follow, they lost their lives for the sake of Christ. While the number of little ones who lost their lives was probably quite small, perhaps even only about 15 to 20 since Bethlehem itself was so small, that doesn't diminish the tragedy. I mean, is there any greater evidence of the darkness, of brokenness and, and in our world than the slaughter of helpless infants? Don't we see that today? Isn't it true that the lives of helpless infants are ended for far lesser reasons, even for convenience in our culture today? Is there any greater evidence that defines the deep darkness of our world that so desperately needed the light of Christ and needed Jesus to be born to save it? So Rachel weeps and refuses to be comforted. The prophet Jeremiah used that picture to describe Israel weeping for her lost sons and daughters being sent away to exile 600 years before the birth of Christ. But here mothers weep for their lost children and the horror that took their lives. Yet that child born of Mary in Bethlehem whose family likely knew those mothers perhaps even had playdates with those little boys and whose family likely mourned their loss came to transform that horror into hope. For the same prophet, just a verse or two after Matthew quotes him, says this, This is what the Lord says, Stop your crying, do not shed tears, there is hope for your future. Jesus came to bring hope by being the light that shatters the deep, horrific darkness of sin. Jesus came to bring hope by being the Savior born to save such a dark world and to bring light to hearts broken and ruined by sin and death. Jesus came to bring hope by being exiled for us and persecuted for our sake that we might be saved, that we might be set free. Jesus came to bring hope by one day being killed himself and then to destroy death forever by his resurrection for us. And so we remember the holy innocence and we long for Christ to shatter the darkness once and for all. third reading is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning with the 19th verse. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. The angel said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to kill the child are dead. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. When he heard that Archelaus, Herod's son, had succeeded his father as ruler in Judea, he was afraid to go there. Since he had been warned in a dream, he went to the region of Galilee. When he arrived there, he settled in a city called Nazareth. So what was spoken through the prophets was fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
We heard those words on Christmas morning from the Apostle John. They were written almost 90 years after the account in Matthew 2. And John wrote those words as he himself faced the darkness of persecution and suffering for the sake of Christ. Yet no matter how much rulers or governments or communities or individuals tried to snuff out the light of Christ, that light just kept shining. Satan himself and his lapdog death couldn't even snuff out that light. Certainly old King Herod wasn't about to snuff out that light of Christ that had entered the darkness of our world. Perhaps it was a matter of months, probably not much more than a year, but in time Herod faced what nearly every other sinful human being has had to face, the reality of death. All his plans, all his schemes, all his murderous paranoia, even to the point of planning out a mass execution of Jewish people would be mourning at the moment he died, which thankfully didn't happen because they didn't do it when he died. All of it came to an end. The light was safe. If Joseph, his adopted father, wasn't so sure, he had heard about Herod's brutal son, Archelaus, yet as he has always done, guided, God guided all things for that light to continue burning in safety, and in this case, to burn in relative obscurity. To Nazareth they went, a place described best by Jesus' future apostle Nathaniel, who said, Nazareth, what good can come from there? Yet the light God had sent for the nations would not be snuffed out. Instead, that light would grow and shine and one day burn brightly, shining to the ends of the earth. And so this year's Christmas celebrations come to an end. When we see Jesus next week at his baptism, he will be a fully grown adult about to begin his public ministry and his final three-year journey to the cross. Yet even as the decorations get put away and the lights get taken down, we see that the light continues to shine. We see that Jesus remains. That light, that Jesus is our peace. He remains that way because, yes, Christmas has passed and we're not singing Silent Night by candlelight anymore, but, but the Christ child brings peace to our hearts in the midst of all the stress and the challenges and the change and the, and the fear in our lives. After all, God sent His Son to ransom you from all your guilt, to bring peace to your troubled hearts and to reconcile you with God. Surely He can help you and bring you peace in the midst of the daily and weekly challenges we face. This light, this Jesus, is also our joy. Yes, we grieve, and for some of us, that grief is much closer to the surface than usual. Yes, we have sadness and disappointment. We have frustration and worry. But because of God's love, through that light, we have real joy in Jesus. The Christ child comes to bring the comfort of his own resurrection to your grieving heart. He comes to dry your tears with his gentle comfort and compassion. He transforms your weeping into dancing. And this light, this Jesus, is also our hope. And think about this. The Savior was saved to save you. To bring light into your darkness. The Savior was saved so the rest of the story after Christmas could be told. The story that took Jesus to the cross to the tomb, and finally to the glories of heaven for us. The light was not snuffed out so he could 
so he was not snuffed out so that he could shatter our darkness. So that you and I could see his eternal light one day with our own eyes in the glories of heaven. Praise God for his glorious light. Amen.